So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on a movie, TV show, or piece of entertainment that we can't stop thinking about. For other people who can't stop thinking about that thing, too, I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and Arturo Zarita is caught in a time loop. So we invited on our good friend and resident floral shirt expert, Amanda the Jedi, to help us with this interview, this very special interview with the writer and the director of Palm Springs. I should have clarified, those are two separate people. We're joined by director Max Barbacow and writer Andy Ciara, who are going to help us break down this time loop comedy starring Kristen Milotti and Andy Samberg, available now on Hulu. Hopefully you've checked it out because we are going full spoilers from the top. If not, go watch that movie and come right back to the interview or not if you just want to hear more about Palm Springs. But without further ado, let's go into the interview. I just wanted to start out if uh, talking about the idea of uh, the time loop itself. And, you know, we are getting into full spoilers in this interview. But was the time loop something you guys consider a spoiler? How how'd you handle that? Yeah, I mean, I think I, what's beautiful about our Sundance experience uh, was people got to see it without, you know, any context whatsoever. They were expecting a surreal turn. Um, but that cat wasn't out of the bag yet. I think from the get-go, when we knew we were gonna have a chance to go make this movie and a substantial okay. amount of people would see it because we had Andy Samberg in our film, um, we all were very adamant and excited about the fact that uh, you know no one should know anything about it going into it. I, that's how I like to see films too. Um, the time loop itself evolved in, in came about in a very roundabout way where we, um, Andy and I had been working on this idea out of film school for a couple of years, just wanting to, to make something. And once we developed these super flawed and messy characters, it was kind of about wanting to stick them in their own personal hells where they would have to sit with their shit and their fears of intimacy and commitment um, over and over again and, and being stuck at a wedding, having to re relive that day on the periphery of that seemed like a good idea just on a, <laughs> on a pure level of like dramatic construction. But um, yeah, once once the time loop came into focus, it became about wanting to do something different with that idea that felt fresh and kind of like we were playing a jazz riff on a, on a familiar melody almost. Um, cool. And Andy could kind of, I feel like, speak to that, um, to how, you know, that, that construction evolved and took place. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention off the, the top, uh, Amanda and I were both at Sundance this year, so oh, we were both cool. lucky enough to, oh, to get great. that experience yeah. of a, a more fresh viewing of it, and then, yeah. uh, again, saw it more recently, and it, I think it's kind of, uh, my appreciation for it has grown, it's Absolutely. really one of the uh, standouts I've seen uh, this year, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. of course, uh, but yeah, so Andy, I'll, I'll follow up with you, uh, the reactions to the movie, a lot of people are saying stuff like, you know, it's an update on Groundhog Day or it's Groundhog Day at a wedding. And, uh, when a movie like Groundhog Day does kind of loom so large over the whole time loop concept, uh, were you doing things to kind of actively differentiate it? Um, yeah, I mean, when, when, when Max and I were like, oh, should we just should we do the time loop thing? And we're like, OK, well, I guess we should. <laughs> it makes sense for this character. Uh, we, but we looked at it like, because, um, you know, Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies ever. Same for Max. And it's, it is a genre in and of itself. It's not like it's, you know, 
Um, but we looked at Groundhog Day. Bill Murray kind of goes through however many days, thousands of years perhaps, uh, figures out, you know, meaning of life to a point, and he's he's gifted with the day uh, ending and the next day begins. And so our, like the kind of, when we when we decided to just, just do it, to just, you know, do the time loop, we're like, okay, well, let's say our guy, Niles, who we already knew who this Niles character was, there was many false starts of this movie, had already written like half or quarter versions of this movie um, before there was ever any time loop. So I knew him so well. And it's like, okay, let's say that character, Niles, has lived in this time loop for a very, very long time to the point where he can't even remember what his life was before. He figures out the the meaning of life or what, what he thinks the meaning of life is. Uh, and nope, you're still stuck there. You're truly no way out of this loop. So what do you do next? Um, and that was like to have that as the starting point. That was always the starting point. Um, and... And I mean, always once we decided to do it. Uh, and as for like ways to differentiate it, it um, that almost kind of just like we, we, we didn't add Sarah's character in there to say like, well, this is different to add a second character in there. Um, it was more like the, the story that we were trying to like, again, it was, it was almost done through like a weird process of discovery. Like we, it needed it. The, the, the characters, uh, I don't know. It sounds so pretentious, but kind of like found their way in, in a way. Uh, and it was not to separate it from Groundhog Day. However, just the the benefit was, was that, yeah, it also it also separates it more. Having Roy's character come in there and also be trapped in there. Like the character was ultimately added because we felt that was like one of the last pieces of the puzzle that we added. But Max and I both felt like there was something that was missing. Uh, like who, who, Niall's shadow side in a way. Uh, and that's like where that kind of, that character was born. And also it, 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 it provided a, like, it served a plot function as in like, to me, the biggest twist of the movie is, is the arrow hitting mm-hmm. Niles. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, that's when, that's when you think you're in one movie and you go the other way. Um, that was the last thing that was added to the script before, but then it was once that was added, we're like, now it makes sense. Now the puzzle is, is complete. It wasn't, but by that point, that was nine months after um we decided to like settle on the time loop thing too so it wasn't like we were already kind of just committed to that it wasn't about separating it from groundhog day at that point and uh, it wasn't about like i feel like the loop was never the thing that was challenging niles's worldview at all because he had he had already given up in, right right the meaning of his existence and it wasn't he wasn't able to break through so he's very complacent and indifferent when we meet him we just needed these other characters i think they truly started as a way to challenge his belief system um, mm-hmm. within that loop. And obviously they became fully fledged people um, and it became like more of a two-hander with Sarah, but the, it, it, like the loop was never the thing that the, the, the you know Niles was railing against because we meet him and he's given up. We needed these other people to kind of... Yeah, like by, by the time, like by, by when we meet him, the loop to him is nothing. It's just like, he just shrug, just in a similar way, we're like, should we do the loop thing? We're like, yeah, we shrug and we each had a sip, had a, had a sip of Takati and we're like, okay, well, let's do it. And that's kind of how Niles looks the loop. Like he gets hit with an arrow and it's, it's an annoyance almost at that point of like, fuck, I don't want to like die slowly in the ICU. I'm going to crawl back into the cave to start the day over again. Uh, and it's, it's, it's treating it not like a huge magical thing, even though it is that it's like mm-hmm. that it, it never, it, and, they, and that hopefully we get 
through it quickly with Sarah as well, the, um, with her treating it like that as well. So it's not the thing that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to say, cause it, it does define the movie, but it doesn't, it shouldn't define a movie. Maybe. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. The mundanity <laughs> of it has clearly set in. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of like touching on that that theme a little bit, like obviously this was done well before COVID really went into swing. But honestly, this movie still felt really painfully relevant at that time because so many people suffered through those feelings of like nihilism and monotony with their day to day lives. So do you think this movie is hitting chords more with the viewers right now uh, because of a result of what's going on? Or do you think it just kind of is just like the answer to uh, just what a lot of people feel in life in general? I mean, it was it. It undeniably is hitting chords more because of what everyone's going through. Um, but you know, when when Max and I spent whatever the the four years up to this <laughs> point working on it, uh, and once we like landed on it, whatever three years ago, um, it it struck a chord with us at the time. Like it, it, it it's how our lives had started to feel at the end of, it was end of 2016 when we decided on the time loop. Um, and yeah, it, 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 that, that was, it was at that point where we just were like, this kind of just, this feels like life. It's uh, I'm go- going to the, eating the same thing every morning, uh, sitting in the same exact, that like traffic has a predictability, especially here in LA. It's like uh, everything just was so predictable in life. And then, there, there, there was a, there was a moment in the script that we ended up cutting it out of the movie, but uh, it was always like this oddly like important part to me. Uh, what was we didn't shoot because it was too expensive, but it was just one single shot of Niles stuck in a ton of traffic on the <laughs> on the nine on the ninety one freeway on the way to Irvine, um, and we just see like it just he's just in the, the that Saturday afternoon uh, traffic and going to Irvine like on the ninety one, but also on the five all the all the freeways. And it, it was just, it, I wanted that to just, it was in the script as a reminder, like, oh, this is really no different than any other day mm-hmm. in everyone's life. Everyone is, everyone's kind of stuck in the same loop. Um, the fact that, like, now we are stuck in a <laughs> loop in a way. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely hitting people harder, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's that um, just kind of like a... a caution to the wind, uh, do whatever you want energy that becomes really fun uh, in the center of the movie. Is that uh, something that's been part of it since the conception or did that come about more so uh, when you landed on the time loop concept? Because I know you were saying that uh, it's an idea that the two of you had been working on for a few years before uh, actually settling on yeah, it's, it's it's funny because there was <laughs> I saw someone say like the, the original <laughs> the original idea for this was much darker. Um, yeah, it was like was a leaving like, Las Vegas type thing more. So, yeah, but, right? but, I, but I think what was like what was what was left out of that was that it was always like an absurdist comedy leaving Las Vegas thing. It was it was like from the from the get go, it was always tonally the same thing. I mean, the working with Lonely Island, it made it far far better and funnier. But it was still like that that throwing caution in the wind, carelessness, sense of nihilism, self-destruction, um, utter yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was still like, all of that was still there. All of the, it was, you know, the, the Harold and Maude kind of humor. Like, um, it was, I, I, I guess a, a friend had sent me like the thing that says the original thing was much darker. I was like darker, I guess, but it was still like, 
uh, it was still a, a goofy comedy um, that was our version, our absurdist version of that leaving Las Vegas uh, type thing. So yeah, I don't know, Max, you can speak more. It was kind that. of like maybe more. It was more just like one large montage almost. Yes, it was like a deathbender, <laughs> like the take that montage in the middle and then extend it both ways, and you get the deathbender movie. Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah, deathbender movie, and that's kind of what it was. Uh, like along kind of like a Jungian um, structural tract. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't work. This is better. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a line uh, towards the end that really uh, resonated with me. I felt like uh, just talking about their relationship uh, where they say, we're already sick of each other. It's great. Uh, and I was wondering if you were intentionally kind of going for uh, the time loop as this metaphor for a marriage or, or relationship. I mean, I I got married 2015, started again. I mean, that's that's the year we really started working on it and then a time loop thing a year a year later. Mm-hmm. Um that's one of the things I don't know if it's on like on a it's again sounding so stupid sounds so pretentious. If it's if it if it's like that was maybe not the intention, but that on that was on a subconscious level, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. like maybe where, you know, as in all those conversations, it was never like, oh, you know, marriage is like a, <laughs> like a loop, man. <laughs> However, like it, it most certainly um, influenced all of that. And especially that line, that's like, you know, that was always such, that is such an important line. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe the most important line of the movie. <laughs> One of the most important lines of the movie. Um, so, and that, you know, that is about relationships. Uh, and I'm hoping that people can, I don't know, connect to that one. <laughs> it was like on the, it, it became, it was such a hodgepodge and a collage of elements that, that kind of, you know, from a, from a time loop to the characters. To, and it just, it definitely did evolve into kind of what you're referring to, but it was de- like, I don't think either of us like to work in a way where we're reverse engineering something to say, cause then you're just mm-hmm. input, you're, you're taking swings at themes or statements. It just, you know, it, it was built out from who these characters were and, and where we put them. And I fit pretty perfectly. I mean, it was, it was nice that it fell into that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it did a really good job kind of like swimming through a lot of those different themes without really seeming like it was trying too hard if it was heavy handed. So like there's this entire classification of movies that I've kind of been calling like the post adolescent coming of age. And I think (laughs) this kind of fits into that. It's kind of, you know, you spend so much time working on the importance of actually hitting adulthood that once you hit your 20s and even your 30s and you still really just don't know what's going on and everything still feels so weird and you feel lost. and, And I think this movie kind of like fills in that hole in a lot of ways and actually gives people a reason to think hey like life is actually worth giving a shit about in a a lot Mm -hmm. of ways so uh, i thought that was uh was really was really nice that was the first thank you that was like the first i remember very early on when we're like this is going to be a meaning like some semblance of a meaningless universe whether it's time loop with you know the consequences aren't going to be um lasting like it was always about for us like there is purpose in caring in a very meaningless world. Like that was all, that was like an idea that we talked about a lot when we were just trying to make sense of how confusing the world felt. And what you're talking about was something that felt, I mean, it was just kind of honest in our, 
in our emotional inventory that we were taking in our in our process and figuring out what the story was. Um, but it's always about like, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? Those are the things you think about in your in your mid to late twenties and early thirties after you've already kind of like matured, so to speak. Then then life comes into it and you're confronted with a whole new slew of of just moments where you really have to kind of pick who you want to be and how you want to treat people yeah. <laughs> in, in relationships, friendships, otherwise. Yeah, it, it's a, it definitely shows. Yes. Pay your taxes, et cetera, all that, <laughs> exactly. all that shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, there's been this like uptick in the time loop genre, if that's what you want to call it, in recent years. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Happy Death Day, Russian Doll on TV more recently. Uh, I want, I'm curious if either of you have an uh, idea of why maybe we're seeing some more, so much more of this idea in movies. I mean, it feels very, um, like Andy said earlier, I think relevant to what life is like now as we get kind of get past, just, I guess, a certain part of the world, people who think about this stuff and make this kind of stuff like just basic survival needs <laughs> and um, like get like get into ruts you know but like I also yeah. think just from the stuff and I had a conversation with Sandberg once about this too just like consuming culture um, and you know in your formative years and then that culture and that kind of work whether it's music literature or film like figuring into the stuff that you end up making um, when it's time for you to, to make stuff. And uh, I, I think that maybe this is this is coming about the time loop stuff just because Groundhog Day was made, you know, 30 years ago at this point and the culture has changed. And, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up on it, but I saw it at a formative time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people did too. And it just is like, oh, that's that's important to me. Like, it, you know, it, it applies. It's, it's time to, to kind of talk about that again. It's the same way that, you know, the filmmakers in the 90s grew up on 70s movies and yeah, that yeah. movement and that feel started. And like, I know Andy and I, one of the stuff that we bonded over were those were those 90s movies that felt just kind of like gonzo and rebellious and, and really different and special tonally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's probably the same reason that um, Jurassic World and the new trilogy... It's, it's like it's time to do it again. The same reason that Stranger Things hit so hard. Yep. Is that like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. you know there, it's a, it's a balance of nostalgia and just like and but it's just the same kind of stories you want to hear every every twenty five years. There's going to be disaster movies that come out. You have the seventies one. You have the mid mid nineties ones. And I mean there is there was a there's San Andreas, but there's a there's more on the way. They just announced a, a Twister reboot too. Wow. So like, yeah, ask Andy about Dante's Peak or Twister. That, that's a whole different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could we could have a whole other podcast about Dante's Peak. It's a fantastic, fantastic film. But I but I think it's it, everything is cyclical, and therefore like the the reason that maybe you know I think you can look at that and like the reason that there's more of these time loop movies that have popped up and, and TV shows is just that yeah, we, those those are the stories that are. It's, it's, their, it's their time again. We have to do it. It's just what, what we are hardwired on a deeply subconscious <laughs> level to want to tell and want to explore. That's a cool way to look at it. Uh, I guess just kind of like keeping up with that a little bit and just how you differentiate yourself in something that can feel oversaturated, but I feel like people have been doing such a great job with them lately. Um, did you guys know, like from the beginning, that you wanted to go more the science route versus like a you know magic or supernatural side of things? And did you end up consulting anybody for the more sciencey stuff that Sarah's character ends up going through? 
Um, I mean, <laughs> to a fault, clearly, we, uh, <laughs> when, when it was just me and Max just, you know, arms locked trying to crack this thing, we were far more uh, going down that Jungian uh, path and, you know, a little bit like some Ram Dass and just not even, not even magic, just like more almost like... Yeah, a journey through the brain and mm-hmm. the subconscious. Uh, and then it was once it got to um, Lonely Island, that's where they really helped helped us, like, reshape the third act. Um, all of Sarah's, like, you know, let's let's crack, let's actually find a way to get, to try to get mm-hmm. out of this loop. Um, let's, and let's, you know, let's do it with, with science. <laughs> As, and there's been many, many movies where you know what, what's what's in The Martian. He's like, oh I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. Just, I'm gonna science the shit out of this, yeah, I'm right? Yeah, science the shit out of it's this. Like so, it's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's like, uh, and so all of that came in once we started working with them. Um, and then I, like, I was sent off on a, you know, YouTube spiral, um, and looking up papers on the science papers on the the Couchy Horizon. And, um, <laughs> If I'm even saying that correctly, I'm just an idiot. Uh, and and black holes and and whatnot. Um, and so like first, I I I attempted to explain how like in theory this could be a way to get out of it based on my own like again I I mentioned like I think it it felt like one long night, but it probably was a week of me looking up this stuff. Um, and so then I like, here is what I think could work. And it was this big giant monologue. And then we, you know, sent it to some uh, consultants mm-hmm. and just to kind of, you know, test it a little bit. And it, was, it turns out I was pretty close, I think, on some there things. Not only, were you, not only were you close, but the dude, like the, the, the dude that Sarah Skypes with in the diner is, is this guy, Clifford Johnson, who's a, is a PhD uh, like astrophysicist professor at USC and he's a consultant for all the Marvel movies and stuff and has done it oh, forever yes. and so he gave us notes on how to make it real and better but like the thing that I think we the, the earthquake was pretty much always in and mm-hmm. and the cave was always in and the glow in the cave and the earthquake opening the cave that was always there and the thing that I think made all the logic work Clifford said was just that it was caused like this rift like time loops don't exist; they're not really possible. But like, if they did, I'm paraphrasing. If they did, it, it like you could explain this by some physical, um, se- seismic, mm. both literally and figuratively, like event, um, yeah, yeah, in the Earth. And that was we. I think we just got. I mean, I don't yeah. remember if you looked that up, Andy, but like, or we just wanted to do like earthquake stuff. But it just <laughs> got. We got really lucky in there. He was like, "Yeah, that's sound. Like in your logic." <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, like, that was that was a weird, refreshing thing. Is that yeah, yeah like yeah. The, the dinosaurs were there, earthquake was there. Like that earthquake was one of the one of the very first things that was like. I mean, yeah. it just it did felt like the movie needed to have this seismic event. Not and that wasn't even for my love of disaster movies. That was more of like we are we are again. That's where I think I think there was something on a deeper subconscious level, and it just it's about allowing that to pour out. Uh, something that I think is really good about the film is the way it, the tone is a little bit malleable and you talk about how it integrates these elements of uh, sci-fi and, and like actual part science uh, and there's also the also the more emotional moments but you kind of uh, balance that with dick jokes and <laughs> just gags and hijinks. Uh, what was that striking that balance and kind of getting a little bit of 
of both and keeping that energy going uh, like important along the way? Was it something you had to tinker with as you were making the film? Yeah, I mean, that was, I think Andy and I, when we met, initially bonded over to, you know, tonally stuff that had blended tones and can make you laugh and make you feel things and uh, not necessarily, you know, delve into science too, but like that, if you, I, that's my favorite kind of stuff that has a toe kind of in every part of the, the sandbox. Um, yeah, I, the, I mean, we, we talk a lot about that when we, when we first met in 2013 or whatever, on the first or second day at AFI, we talked about Eastbound and Down. I think Eastbound and Down had just wrapped up, but like that final season, those those guys are so, they can, they manage that line of like slapstick comedy to like gut-wrenching, uh, like tears mm-hmm. um, so nicely. And then like Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights was, you know, this mm-hmm. a huge movie for, for both of us, but especially Max seeing it at such a formative formative young age. I saw it at like um, nine, eight or nine. Yeah, but but also like it's that's it's the one of the funniest movies of all time, and it's like it's slapstick stuff. That uh, and so to 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 go from uh, you know these again dick jokes to to true emotion. I I, I mentioned it to when you know when I went after the Sundance stuff. I was texting with my my old boss, the showrunner of Lodge Forty Nine, and I'm like. Isn't that silly? Like this Sundance record with a movie about dick jokes, and he said, uh, "He said existential dick jokes." So it it, it makes it better. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah I, I I don't know if either of you are fans of Bojack Horseman, but I've heard uh, Raphael Bob Wasberg talk a bit about how it feels like when you're willing to go to some of those crazy, silly places, you're also maybe a little bit more emotionally ready to go to somewhere serious. You're, uh, as a viewer, you're more ready to go wherever the movie leads you. Absolutely, I yeah. Love that. yeah. That's how, like, again, again, going back to like how the original movie was much darker. Like, the guiding light for for me and Max always from the very beginning was from again our other shorts too. Is like we we need to go from slapstick to to sadness in the in its best if you can do it within one line or within within the scene, scene to scene. It's already hard enough, but like doing it within within one scene. That's like that's that's the that's the goal. Yeah, and I think you did a, a great job with that. Um, there were some specific questions from people online that uh, they were kind of wondering some answers to. So if you don't mind, uh, maybe indulging us there. Uh, so one of the big questions, obviously, is is Nana. Was she in the loop? How long? Was she aware of it? Yeah, you that know? last line, I suppose now that you'll be going soon. Yeah. It's uh, it's been confounding people. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It's they good. say the <laughs> grandparents say the darnest things. Absolutely. <laughs> They've yeah. also seen a lot, you know. Lived a long time. Yeah. 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 I will say June Squibb is is obvious. You know, she's June Squibb. She's a a national, national treasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we shot that all that stuff, the nighttime stuff. I feel like that was five a.m. on a like a thirty degree night, and she um she came in and she, and she just nailed it. That's the answer of that one. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. That's why I said if you will indulge. It's okay if you don't want yeah. to. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, other than that, one of the other questions obviously is uh, do you kind of have like a general idea of how long Niles has been in the loop and then how long Sarah was actually in there? I get that it's, you know, to the core of the movie, it doesn't necessarily matter, but it's, you know, it's just always interesting to know how long somebody's been going through something. All that mattered, the most important thing to me was that was that Niles, um, he truly cannot remember what his life was like before. Yeah. 
And so, however long that takes, this this guy, this this uh, writer for the Decider, he broke it down. I was pretty, I was impressed by his breakdown. Um, the reason I think I said forty was just because uh, I figured like, oh, it's like it's a lifetime of memories. Um, Andy, I think Andy's about forty, so I was like, oh, so that's a lifetime that he forget <laughs> again. That's, it was that's as. All I know is that he has been in there a very long time. How long that is, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it did long make sense. Long enough to forget yeah. what he did for a living, you know, to forget about his past life. And, um, yeah, long enough for, for you know, alcohol abuse <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, to rot the brain a little bit. But, um and to get to the get and to get to the moment of to get to like that piece that he finds yeah. where all like he where truly all to him that matters is burritos, beers, and floating in the pool every day. And mm-hmm. like, how long does it take for one to get to that point? While also, how long does it take for them to forget their entire past? How long does it take for them to know every everything and every every little piece of information about every single person in in that desert valley, mm-hmm. um, including spuds and like his fling. With with Tracy Holmes at the at a bar in Aberdeen, like uh, it's that that stuff just takes a long time. Um, how how long that is, uh, I leave it up to the the viewer. But yeah. I will say I will say it is not forty years, <laughs> or maybe it is. I have, I have no idea. I thought longer, honestly. You know? Yeah, longer longer than forty. When it gets yeah, to, I, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, maybe a little less than a million. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's. I, I would say it's probably somewhere between. 40 days and 40 million years. Yep. So <laughs> carry the two mm-hmm. minus three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys apparently wrote and even shot uh, multiple endings to mm-hmm. the film before settling on what we all saw. Could you guys talk a bit about some of those alternate endings and maybe why they weren't quite right? The true, um, say like the, the kind of, the punctuation or emphatic periods, if we're talking about the movie, I, I should say, were kind of endings were always there, which are like, you know, them deciding to go in the cave with one another and then the dinosaurs on the horizon. Like those mm-hmm. were kind of like the benchmarks that were very much always in there. Um, around that stuff was definitely tried out and, and changed and calibrated to kind of like keep things ambiguous enough, but also to give a sense of closure to, you know, the sci-fi threads of the story and the romantic threads of the story and also just like the, the batshit nihilistic energy, um, you know, sh- shrug uh, stuff that we, we had been playing with the entire time. Um, I think we shot like seven different endings. Um, the, I know the original ending is probably in the script you could find online and that's just a long monologue uh, from Niles that gets interrupted by Sarah and he decides to shut up and they cheers. Um, but there were there was an alt beginning that we shot, uh, or I guess the original beginning that we shot, and there was an ending that corresponded with that that we have on the cutting room floor. There's some stuff with the goat. Um, there's some other funny improv things. There's a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff. But the movie, I mean, we also tested the movie, and there, there are versions of the movie that ended with them, you know, ended right after they blow themselves up in the cave. And that, you know, that that was an option too. I guess uh, just touching on that a little bit, um, obviously having somebody like Andy Samberg and uh, Lonely Island involved, was there like a lot of improv going on? Like you mentioned that they 
you know, really contributed to what the story ended up being, but was, did most of that kind of all get settled before you started shooting or was there like a fair amount of room for, for improv as you were actually filming? We had a, we had a running alt stock um, that was always kind of being, being filled up and that we would try to get to every kind of location and every setup because we were shooting multiple things from different moments in the movie in certain spots. It was, it was really helpful. I'm, I'm just on the, simply just on the Andy side of it all because we worked so closely with them mm-hmm. for three months before we took it out to f- for financing. Then we continued to work with Andy. Like, so we were able to like just tailor it so much to him and, and then that's where like, that running alt stock right. kind of helped out. But then, yeah, there was other, other characters though. There weren't like there one improvised moment scene, so to speak, was them giving each other tattoos. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was that was Andy and Kristen. Cool. Um, there was that was their creation, and then I think just within scenes with actors, you just you know everybody comes with ideas, um, just specific ones, not like this scene doesn't work. Let's improvise and fix it. It just it's it's like what if this moment was like that, or like can I say it this way instead of that way, or like let's fill up this this moment with like a little invention here. So there are, there are moments within every scene that are kind of embellished because when you have Meredith Hagner and, you know, Andy Samberg and JK Simmons and Connor O'Malley and Jenna Friedman and, you know, every Camilla has one of the most beautifully improvised moments, I think in the movie too. Mendez, when she smells her sister's hair, that's, that's, and says, you smell so good. Like after her speech, like that's a beautiful, you know improvisation but yeah so no no scenes like needed to be fixed but everything was just was elevated with actors kind of coming with imagination which is always what you want um to, to make our you know, make it all better yeah you yeah. got a, a really talented cast of people that had a mm-hmm. lot of really great screen chemistry like just so well done like allison jones the the legendary casting director cast the movie and she's known it was so exciting to get to work with her because she i mean she cast freaks and geeks you know (laughs) like you know that's one of the talk about ensemble casts and and kind of picking very you know specific talents to shine um alongside one another it's that that was cool like just the notion of building out an ensemble with her and she's done all kinds of different stuff um as well on from there Uh, getting back to some of the ambiguities of the plot, uh, you end the movie, there's this mid-credits scene uh, with J.K. Simmons' character, Roy, approaching Andy Samberg, who doesn't recognize him anymore, presumably because he's left the time loop. Uh, but you also have this moment where Niles and Sarah remember each other once they've exited the time loop, so it kind of leads you to wonder, like, is Roy stuck in an alternate universe? And also, like, without robbing you of the ambiguity that you want to leave there uh is it important to you that moments like that are really well defined or do you like kind of leaving some questions unanswered well <laughs> i'd i'd say if you uh you you ask the, the that core team of me and max and andy and becky and Kristen, um what happens at the end we might all have a a different answer I mean, ultimately, the movie, the emotional story ends when they walk into the cave together. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the most important part. Right. Everything else is like, you know, uh, I feel like I know what. I know I, what happens. I, I know but, happens. but I but I know what happens, <laughs> uh, and we might not agree on that. But I will say that everything in the movie, and like we can credit um, the 
our fantastic costume designer to production designer to set dressers to like all of these everything in the movie is there for a specific reason so like mm. you can if, if someone wants to look into it and find what what the one answer is you can do that <laughs> you can you can you know look at the wardrobe choices and prop choices and drink choices oh, wow. and stuff that's on the mm-hmm. tables in the background and you know you might you might get an answer uh or you might not I'm gonna send people on an easter <laughs> egg gonna, right? it might just be more <laughs> ambiguous so <laughs> Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'd like to ask, just sort of wrapping things up, uh, I'd like to ask this whenever we get a chance to interview people, uh, what you guys have been watching, how you've been keeping yourselves busy. A lot of people are are watching lots of stuff under lockdowns and uh, trying to go on film binges. What if, what's been keeping you two company? Um, well, on Disney Plus, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I have a two-year-old, and so I have, I watch a lot of Inside Out, um, a lot of Toy Story, uh, a lot of Monsters, Inc., um, a lot of Frozen, a lot of Moana, um, and it's interesting. I've, I've actually realized that there is some, like, influence of Moana on, um, on <laughs> Palm Springs, like, uh, this this cave and like your ancestors are in there and like i think there was, yeah. <laughs> it's a direct line yeah, yeah. Direct um and i because I, I think i think all those movies are absolutely incredible mm-hmm. um but because of that you know i've that's what a lot of my life is and then we put my daughter to, to bed and then uh, there's i'm able to stay awake for about a half hour and so most recently uh i, I may destroy you is just phenomenal mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that that's that's been you know, and and right before that, um, we just I mean we just finished uh, uh, Mrs. America, and I was like, oh wow, this is like this is one of the best acted, written, looking <laughs> shows I have seen in so long. Uh, FX on Hulu, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Devs before yeah, that, where it's at right yeah, now. everything. <laughs> I know, and uh, that, that's not a plug for for Hulu at all. It's, I mean, it's more of a plug for FX. But like, I uh, you know, for going from Devs to um, to Mrs. America, that was just like. It was just a. It was such a treat, and then yeah, and then now um, I may I may destroy you is like, just you know, incredible. So Max, what about you? I may destroy you for sure. Get into that. Um, I uh, I've been trying to do, like watch movies by directors all the way through. Like do like surveys of careers. So I'm doing like I'm on a Hal Ashby kick right now, which has been cool. I watched nice. being there the other night. Um, Great, which is incredible yeah Harold and Maude's one of my favorites mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh my fiance was obsessed with reality television and all that the Vanderpump <laughs> stuff and I guess there were some people in the uh cast that got canceled recently um so thankfully we don't that's not on in the house anymore <laughs> but to scratch that itch she's been uh, on Instagram a lot and we've been watching a lot of like the NBA players in the bubble down in Orlando, like live streaming their activities and their lives, which is just like, it, it's scratching that reality TV itch, but I could subscribe to that and get into that a little more. So that's been good. And I also, Rami is another uh, FX on, I guess it might be FXX, but uh, I'm really impressed by the second season of that show too. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, the the Team Swish IG Live is definitely uh, yeah. <laughs> Solid piece of entertainment right now. Yeah, it's so good. It's so it's like summer camp. You're just like, what? It's summer camp. <laughs> yeah, they got the the snacks and the Gatorades and everything. Yeah, like bass fishing and water slides. Um, 
capture the flag. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's it's such a pleasure to talk about, uh, especially such an interesting movie, one that we really enjoyed too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your answers. Thanks so much. Cool. Th- thanks, thanks for you. having thanks us. For having us. It's fun. Thanks for taking the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. That's all for this edition of Let Us Explain on the Intercut Podcast. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. Check out more from Arturo on his channel, Let Me Explain, or at The ATZ Show and at LME Explain. And catch more from Amanda the Jedi, too, at Amanda the Jedi on her socials and on YouTube. You can also listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we run through the latest in entertainment Find new episodes of Intercut every Friday when there isn't a blackout. And please leave us a comment, like the videos, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, and from all of our guests here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, well, I suppose you'll be going now.